Welcome back to Misunderstood Podcasts. I mean, I would say it's a beautiful day, but right now it's raining, it's storming, it's haily. I know I said the last one was going to be the final episode, but we had to run it back after we had a couple of conversations and we did a, a bit of field research, if we can say that. Um, same conversation, same ideas as last time, but today we're just, you know, making it a more centralized conversation, or we're going to try to. I always say it's going to be a centralized <laughs> conversation. Um... But we're simply here to carry on the conversation because I think at the end of it, we also recognize that one, this is a conversation that's never going to end. It's evolving. It's going to be ever growing. But two, we also recognize that there's certain aspects we didn't get to touch on um, as a result of us having a conversation um, that other people have highlighted are very important. I mean, I guess it goes to the concept that black identity isn't one, it isn't the same for everyone. It, it differs depending on whose eyes and whose perception you look at it. But Leto, how are you doing, Earn? Yeah, man, obviously it's been like a day since we've done this. <laughs> so, you know, not much has changed except no, uh, some new revelations. So yeah, mm. pleased to get it down. And I think it's so funny how we even said like, we're going to step away from this thing and come back and we'll have a different thought maybe in a few years or in a few weeks or in a few months. And it was like literally in less than a day, in less than 24 hours, minds opened. It was like, yo, you know, I just left your house and then it was like, had a conversation with someone. They told me something different and I was like, okay, didn't think about that. We have <laughs> to do this again because yo, I just, my mind got showed a different lens of things and mm. it was just like, yeah, you know, as you said, um, the conversation never ends. There's so much to it. I mean, yeah. we're just discussing black identity, not human identity as a whole. But, sure. you know, it's a conversation where there's so much nuance to it that you can never really get it right, even if you want to. Facts. Nah, that is that is so, so true. And I think, I don't know, I kind of sat back. Interesting enough, watched Black Panther yesterday or uh, two days ago, not sure. And... For those of you who haven't watched it, number one, you're very late because it's probably the end of December or towards the end of December when you hear this. But secondly is Black Panther is foolproof of black identity and African identity in the cultures that exist. I think from very early on, we see a young girl in T'Challa's sister um, essentially take on the mantle after essentially her brothers died and everything and she's the one who's very against culture she's very revolutionary she believes in technology and she essentially doesn't say i'm going to do away with my cultures but she says there's a new way there's a better way and in the first movie it's very much pushed away and it's not seen as she's very important and in the second movie we kind of embrace it and i think that speaks to the stuff we're going to speak to today the cultures the the traditions that exist and how we impact that but yeah yeah i mean uh, I guess you can count me as one of those guys who hasn't seen Black Panther 2. <laughs> um, yeah, but for me, you know, I wouldn't say I enjoyed Black Panther 1. Mm. It almost was like a black utopianism, like what we hope we Facts. could be. Um, you know, obviously it's like a single resourced country using that to their full potential, not sharing it with the world and using it to advance. Economically, that never happened. So it's like, <laughs> you know, there's some flaws in that thinking. Um, but, you know, I think it goes to show that, again, uh, we're sort of in a place where we're not where we want to be. And mm. a lot of our fiction at the moment is, you know, futurism, like this is what yeah. we want black identity, black society to sort of move towards. And Black Panther, I think, just because of 
you know, the huge nature of Marvel um, and just its mass appeal to a lot of black people around the world and everyone around the world, really. Mm. Um, it's sort of become the the microcosm of black futurism. Right. Albeit it doesn't incorporate everything that black futurism aims to, to be, mm. but, you know, it's getting to mainstream black thinking and how it wants to shape itself going forward. Um, you know, but that's a whole other chat in and of itself. Like, you know, because that means what is it that we don't like about black society now where um where do we want to move it forward um mm. and that speaks to economics that speaks to spirituality like you said that speaks to technology yeah. you know and how that interrupts in some sense and also how that advances black culture i mean one thing for me is that a lot of african spirituality south african spirituality and tribal spirituality as i've come to know it has not been learned through a relative, through a parent. Mm. It's been learned through the internet, you know, through yeah, hearing other yeah. black people on YouTube or whatnot. This is what it is for them. This is how they experience it. Um, it's been learned through books. Mm. Um, so, you know, I guess there's a place for the medium to change because maybe that's how we get back to our roots. But yeah, you know, again, it's it's a bit of a tough one. Like, how do you balance tradition? How do you balance going forward? And it's also something you can't necessarily control. It just happens how it happens. Yeah, that's true. And I think more specifically for me, I think it's that idea that people mistake the intersection between culture and tradition. And it exists very differently in the different contexts because I think I always say the more I always say the more modern the world becomes, you start to see more of a rural urban split and it starts to exist very differently in terms of what we rely on when we're in a crisis. And I think COVID-19 was a perfect example of that because yeah. we saw so many black individuals, white individuals as well. I think just individuals in general, but I think for different reasons, but more so cuz it was speaking about black individuals. We almost saw a majority of them rely on what they had known and we saw many of them i don't want to say like eradicate what they have known but essentially distance themselves it was what historically would have been if we had a pandemic it would have been let's pray to the ancestors let's do what we can um let's essentially find an answer to this very unanswerable question and i feel like with covid which was one of the first crises that kind of affected everyone you almost saw people say, now nah, let's trust the technology for the first time. As much as there was still a like access to faith and everything, it's pretty interesting to see how many people came back. I don't want to say faithless, but came back with a different view. Came back saying that they can almost trust. Okay, I'm not going to say trust the system because people still fight <laughs> about that vaccine and everything. But people said they, they could come back and say like, look, there's other ways of dealing with these issues and these crises. And to the same extent, it created problems as there was obviously everyone with their African remedy on how you can solve COVID and so on and mm. so forth. And that creates its own thing. And I think that's its own economy in and of itself, as much as we don't acknowledge it as one. But there in that moment, we recognized that there was almost a change. There was a shift in what we had done historically versus what we needed to do now and how we were going to progress. Yeah. And, you know, like you're saying it was something interesting to see because i think that was the first time where a global movement well particularly a black global movement spurred from social media yeah you know, there was a coordinate like because black lives matter was just an american thing mm. you know it was like yeah we knew about it but 
it didn't really speak or connect in the same way as it did for black Americans to us Africans. Yeah. You know, um, yes, in a symbolic sense, because we're black, but not in a practical sense, uh, should Facts. I say. And like, almost this time, I don't know, for me, COVID almost made everyone go back home. And now, you know, you were stuck with your issues in your room. Yo. And you had to deal with them. <laughs> You know, so and and that was personal issues as much as it was global issues and societal issues, um, and so yeah, Black Lives Matter was one of those big ones. Mm. I mean, I think you know there was so much about it that I did disagree with, not in terms of how it spread and and you know what was happening, but more in terms of um, you know the Black Lives Matter leaders themselves. Um, yeah, you know. Looking back on it now, some of them, I mean, I saw one of them use uh, Black Lives Matter funds Went to buy, to buy a house. house. I doubted that. I was like, dude, like, really? Like, we're no better than, you know, what we're fighting against if mm. we're going to be doing that. You know, so I think it also speaks to a commodification of activism. Facts. But I think, I think there's two things there, because I think. I don't know. I look back at my Black Black Lives Matter era, and I call it an era because then I look back at it and I go, "Yeah, you're not happy me. with that." <laughs> about time, I'm not happy with that, but I also think that's a part of growing. Is the Black activism that existed in that time, and I think the Black identity that existed in that time, for a moment, was global, but didn't speak to real issues, and. That's for many different reasons. And I also think Black Lives Matter in and of itself consisted of many different things and different views and different beliefs from like different individuals. But many people believe Black Lives Matter to be about the fact that black individuals, I don't know. I feel like for certain individuals, it was the fact that they were showing support to black individuals. If you ask them what that support really was, they really don't know. For other individuals, it was them finding their blackness i actually saw a lot of yeah. people who came out and were on some yeah i'm also black and i also want to fight the same issue and i said whoa, 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 whoa i was like yo we see you we recognize you but you don't have to make it about your identity and the fact that you're black and then for different people that, that activism existed weirdly um because i remember there was huge fights that existed especially on social media um, and one of my favorite quotes from somebody who I was speaking to at the time was like, dog, I've deleted Instagram because I, everything's activism at this point. <laughs> to raise awareness, this and this issue exists. And people were like, we don't want that. But the question then became was like, was that really activism? And was that really benefiting the black community? Because I always look at it and I go, man, as much as we all recognize the name George Floyd and we say, I don't know. I think people made him a martyr when in reality he shouldn't have been. He wasn't. I mean, you know... He wasn't really involved in any activism mm. beforehand and we're not going to shame a guy for having drug problems or whatever because there's various yeah. causes for that and you know life happens sometimes but you know i don't think that's what he intended himself to be before mm. the whole police thing happened um albeit initially it was like you know he was the victim because he was yeah but then it almost changed to make him a hero and I, exactly. I notice how that happens with a lot of things is that guys who are not supposed to be the heroes Girls become the hero. Yeah. And, and that's the thing like we like to do, you know, um, it reminds me of this, this Bob Marley lyric and, and obviously I'll paraphrase, uh, paraphrase it. 
you know, he was basically saying that we need to say something about them always killing our heroes, otherwise, um, you know, they're going to go. Mm. And he wasn't speaking about people like George Floyd, albeit he lived in a different time. But for him, obviously being Rastafarian, that was like Haile Selassie, yeah. uh, Marcus Garvey, guys like that. But, you know, in a modern day sense, even when you look at the type of black people uplifted, a lot of them, you know, or a few of them, it's like those guys weren't necessarily heroes. heroes. You know, it's some, it's not someone we should look up to in a sense. And I think that's happened a lot in the modern days. Like someone like George Floyd is, he was almost made to be um, a saint in a way, you know, mm. almost like, like he could, he, did, he could do no wrong. Yeah. And he didn't do no wrong. And he was the complete victim of a system. Yeah. He was a victim of a system, but he wasn't without any wrong you know um but i also feel like something prevalent in like activism today especially social media activism is, is just victimization you know Lord. and yes there is an element of in a lot of senses people are victims of certain things but that's Actually. not all there is to it you know um that's what i think social media sort of robs us of is that nuance about things it's not absolute this absolute that mm. it's yes it can be this, this but, but it also can be that yeah you know um and i guess that's the same conclusion we came to about black identity the yeah. other day. Like, <laughs> it's not that it's not that either but it can be, be both. both it can be neither it can yeah. be one you know um so it's just crazy how the the synchronicity of all of those things work but yeah for me you know black lives matter was it was also a a time for me to reflect on my own activism because i mm. had been you know obviously we're in the same school or fighting similar things in the school yeah you know i had obviously been doing that type of stuff before black lives matter came to be um and when it came i was almost like i took a step back and said i'm not gonna get involved yeah. in that way one because i didn't have instagram but also because it was like it's different to the type of activism I'm used to. And for some mm. reason, it didn't feel like an activism that was pure and that would lead to real change. Nah, I definitely feel that. And I think it was true because one of the funniest things that I saw happening during Black Lives Matter was everyone decided to quote Desmond Tutu around that time about how you're sil if you choose silence, you're on the side of the oppressor. I remember that quote so much. And I was on some, but whoa. As a black individual, if I choose to say nothing, are you telling me I am oppressing my own people? And I said, whoa. I said, like you said, it, it's too absolute and it doesn't allow for discussion. It doesn't allow for nuance. But also, I feel like it also just became about people defending their own or backing their own because they wanted to say, yeah, I did it. I've done it. So leave me alone. Yeah. And I think... One of the things that always surprised me being from a school like that was seeing how many individuals who when actual issues around black identity identity ever came up within those spaces they were silent they were quiet they watched and they said oh and here's another issue you're, you're creating something that isn't there and as soon as black lives matter came it became this whole thing of we're in this together we care about black individuals and this is how we live and this is what we should be doing and i said but bro I know who you are. I know the person you are. Yeah. And I know that's not you. I know on the weekend when Kendrick's bopping you, saying the N-word and everything. And I said, as much as you confront, you confront forever. And I think that's why I also look at my Black Lives Matter like era as, I don't know. I felt like I was very, I pushed a very 
it was radical i said to people okay shop the trends over where are you now and people kind of did them mm-hmm. but i think that's that's necessary because three years on yeah three years on it's been, yeah has it been no two years on 2020 21 20 yeah two three years two, yeah. three years yeah um you know people are not posting about it but I guess that happens with everything. Remember at a stage it was like Sudan and I think it was that, like put your profile pic on Instagram. Oh, like, the blue and red. Yeah. Mm. And then there's always Palestine that comes up yeah. every now and then. Yeah. There's always something, you know, and Black Lives Matter was no different. But I think it was different in the sense that at the time it was massive. Like it was huge. Mm. Like you said, black people, white people, everyone was, was on it. On it, yeah. Um, and, you know, like you're saying, people before were never on that let's fight against racism people afterwards were never like let's fight about racism yeah. I mean, uh, to not name the schools but an incident happened um, not so recently of racism um, at one of our sports fixtures <laughs> you know and again same individuals who probably in a 2020 would have posted Black Lives Matter this and that were absent from the equation and for Facts. me oddly enough it was baffling that you know we were not as angry as much to the racism Mm -hmm. more to the response from certain individuals in Mm. higher powers and the thing that got me baffled was when someone was angry at the racism itself and maybe not the the actions of higher powers it was almost like why is this guy angry angry yeah but it was also like for me people use that as an opportunity to finally understand racism for themselves and because (laughs) now they understand racism for themselves they would like a pat on the back i mean you were with me Um, one individual came to us and was like you know i'm so proud of the fact that the schools left and decided not to continue and then i'm like you're proud that we just said we're not gonna play because that happened that's it like you know that should be that's innate innate like we shouldn't have been considering playing exactly but you know it was like yo guys we did a good thing like look at how good it is like we solved racism for a quick minute there you know so that's funny but you know going back to the desmond tutu quote i find it i find it very very funny that he's quoted because Mm. if you look at his work with the trc um and that's something that's you know studied in uh, in history um, for South African students but you know when you look at the TRC for me you know it deliberately looked over a lot of crimes dog the amount of things that took place that we're knowledgeable of that we just said oh because you said them to us and we know you did them okay go home yeah it was like you know the same guy who's saying silence you were a manifestation of silence like we're not gonna persecute people yeah and albeit yeah a punitive approach is not always the best way to go but it was literally like you know i read a story of some guy um got his private parts electrocuted until they exploded hey. and he lived to tell the tale and he was busy telling it there at the trc you know he's like how are you gonna tell that guy that the person and the people who did that to you, the system that did that to you, we're not going to hold them accountable. We're not talking death sentence or anything, but we're not even going to put them in jail. They're not going to stand trial. Yeah. Some of them don't even have to come to you and apologize. They can, de- they, they can just, just say, I don't want to. You know, that's 
the same guy who was like if you're silent you stand on the side of the oppressor you know so yeah maybe it's a thing of you know do what i say not what i do mm. but what you do is important because your actions speak louder than your words to use another cliche um so i think for me stepping back in that whole moment and just observing everything that was happening because i sort of had my whole black lives matter era like a year before that so as i was like approaching the end of that that's when i took the step back and it was just like you see a lot of the flaws in how we're going about it yeah. but you know for me it was also like how do we translate that to something that works for us as south africans that works mm. for us as students in our particular school and for other students in other schools how do we translate that and it didn't have a didn't have an answer that's what i think a lot of people are gravitated to social media activism for because you don't need an answer at that point in time you don't need to know a lot about yeah. the issue and you don't need to actively participate before and after that issue is popular and that's okay it's more a thing of you just can't be silent at the time posting a story or a little five post uh, mm. flip grid thing where you just swipe Slide, through yeah. the stuff yeah you know um that's enough to to warrant your participation in it but beyond that it's okay you can move on you don't need to focus on the issue and that's a problem because issues are not dealt with in a quick two month social media campaign facts they've been there longer and they're going to take longer to fix takes, yeah especially systemic racism whether that's in the US South Africa those things those things are hard to deal with and so it was probably good in the sense that a lot of people became aware of issues that they previously didn't know about and that's that's facts. fair so true but i think it was also too simplistic in that a lot of the time it didn't go beyond that point and it needed to especially for south africans and for other people who weren't in the us i think it's true in the sense that a lot of people needed to understand what the nature of that moment was because i think even now i think there's people who get confused between defund the police abolish the police black lives matter what are the differences what are the nuances that exist but like you said also the application in other countries is stupid because you find that most countries have similar problems and black bodies experience the same government neglect government over um policing within our system and everything and in those moments it's like we don't focus on those issues and educate each other on those issues it's more like let me just tell you that i support black lives matter and why you should support it too look this guy died we've all seen the video and let's move on but i think a similar thing happened this year with like the world cup i saw like everyone was on some no qatar's been blasting human rights blah blah so on and so forth and i was like okay and then because everyone's on some now nah, let me post about the story let me show you that i feel for the people who had to work there and i'm like but you're still watching that stuff but my thing was like we knew the world cup was coming and we did we've been knowing for time two months before everyone's like okay and there was okay there's some people not that i know personally and not that i've seen on social media more media houses mm. um that have been saying from the get go that Qatar's going to be yeah Qatar's world, using migrant yeah. workers whatever they they but it wasn't like individuals saying hey look at what's happening you know and also the announcement itself took place in 2010 yeah you know um and i mean looking back on it even though deaths were not necessarily related only or you know discrimination was not related only to the world cup mm. russia hosted the world cup 
And that before this so whole true. Ukraine stuff, there was a lot wrong with Russia, Russia that a lot of people knew about. But the same was not said to the same extent. Right? And I mean, it's not to excuse the deaths. It's not to say it's okay. But it's to say that I don't know how modern life would continue in its current ways if we were to be as like you know ethically biding as we are to a lot of these other things so if we were yeah. to apply the same we don't want all these ethical problems as they are at the world cup then it's like okay you shop at h&m you shop mm. at zara you shop at adidas shop at nike sweatshops heard of those right but people will wear <laughs> that you know people new soccer boot comes out it's like yo okay yo, we yeah. need to get that you know look what happened with balenciaga people will still buy balenciaga yo no lie facts. you know um there's so many things that we use i mean i remember during the 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 israel palestine issues um when it was a big thing on social media particularly in south africa and when you know a, like i think it was the south african government that essentially said we're not going to say anything and yeah. a few south african people were actually supportive of israel um i think it was cape union mart is owned by a jewish guy who supports israel and i think funds it or some some mm, tied to it yeah you know and people were like let's not buy from cape union mart six months down the line cape union mart still open people still <laughs> when you go for camp you probably bought a cape union mart, <laughs> you know so there's a lot of these things where it's not to excuse the the ethical implications of doing them and participating in them but then it's also to say if we're going to do that let's apply it across the board or just what's the point then i think i won't lie people have people have a difficulty with that conversation all the time um <clears throat> about that application because it's my same argument with people who i don't know i have a very harsh stance on like AOA. if you believe in capitalism you can't ask me to cry about the people on the bottom man like we, we i know they're there and i'm not gonna lie to you and be like oh no we don't it's so equal here no i'm gonna tell you there's, there's inequality we must understand there's somebody somewhere who's not getting paid along the chain but we can't be on some oh no let's fix capitalism and then everyone decides to like exploit the system everyone's on some let me buy a new iphone everyone's on a, a consumer you want to have the new this and the new that and i'm like hey brah if you want to talk to me apply let me see you apply so even yeah. me i can follow because i think it's the same thing that happens with veganism and the ideas and anything around climate change bro the amount of times i've seen people speak about climate change post about climate change and i'm like okay what are you doing tell me but i think you know something also big in my generation or our generation is people don't read like that anymore they don't like if i was like okay give me a whole for 30 minutes give me a rundown of capitalism its ins and outs how it works what are its theories where do they come from i mean most people if you tell them um have you read adam smith's the wealth of nations which is the definitive book on capitalism they mm. don't know who adam smith is they don't know the wealth of nations they don't know that he has anything to do with capitalism and then i'm sure there's people that do understand that stuff and have read it and have gone into it yeah. but those are not the mainstream voices that are speaking on it True. same with communism i mean the other day or few months back i bought uh, das kapital by karl marx that book is thick you know i'm not even like halfway with it but as i've been reading it i'm like there's a lot more nuance to communism as a system that one the marxists and leninists didn't apply 
True. But also that when a lot of people speak about Marxism, they don't understand. Mm. And that can only come from reading the literature. And we don't read the literature. We don't read a lot of the literature on climate change and the nuances around that. We don't read a lot of it on different political and economic systems. Um, most people, their education on communism is, again, those slides on Instagram that are like three sentences on each slide, Max, and then it's yeah. like, this is capitalism um, through and through. I mean, the one book that taught me about the horrors of communism to the full extent um, and, you know, just the Soviet Union at large was the Gulag Archipelago by uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Right, and I'm like, people preach communism and that system and you get some people who also say that, you know, the Soviet Union wasn't as bad as it's made out to be. Mm. But then you read the Gulag Archipelago and you're like, dude, that stuff was insane. Like, people were tortured, people were taken. Oh, for sure. For no reason, you know, so... It's not to say that this system is bad or this system is good. And it's not to say that, you know, just simply because you haven't read all the literature, you can't comment on something. Mm. But I think it's more to say, like, as a generation, we need to educate ourselves and not in terms of, you know, hey, get educated on the issue, ignorant. I mean, yeah. like, really sit down, reflect on it, read on it, get knowledgeable on it, and then let's discuss. Mm. You know, because most people can maybe do that for one or two issues, but a lot of things they cannot do that and i think you know that's that's our missing link that's what will give us that sense of mind to say there's this there's that and i think to an extent you know that's also what didn't make us see uh, yesterday the other nuances in black identity and african Facts. identity you know the fact that um upon having a conversation with one of my teachers he forgot about the fact that okay besides christianity there's also just african tradition that precedes that mm. and that is its whole system and that involves so many other ways of believing things but the fact that we wouldn't be aware of that because we don't actively engage in it it's also somewhat to an extent been muddled with over yeah. time and misconstrued but also um you know because you don't engage with that and because there's also a mix of that and christian tradition in a lot of African homes these days, it's like, it's a it's a weird hodgepodge. It's become yeah, its own. Yeah, it's become everything. It's become just everything that exists. And it's like, I guess, at times it's painted as Africanism, at times it's painted as Christianity, and at times it's just painted as a thing that exists for black people and makes them, I guess, different from everyone else in terms of their practices, the ways in which they gauge, the ways in which they pray to their specific things. Um, and... I think it has its space because I don't think anyone really understands it um, and anyone can like unpack it for what it is because I even think the South African context of spirituality is so hard to like unpack. Everyone has rights on it but it's never been documented like many other African spiritual um, spaces and like I always say South Africa is like yo it's a melting pot of everything man. Yeah. You can never unpack one culture one identity because even then you find that there was cliques and there was clans that existed between the zulu nation and then you find that there's this like my favorite thing i remember um which i also just felt so i found so ironic was the zulu nation having to elect the new king <laughs> something that should have been so simple as in this is our king then the chat became one's the illegitimate son one has the right to the throne the will will state this and i was like it's so interesting to see how westernism and a lot of the culture that 
exist there affected this because i was also like but in what zulu nation do you have a will yeah and how do you dictate that the king the king is going to be written within the will and then i was also like but also blacks blacks can't accept anything when like like okay sure let's all say we accepted the will it can't be that when the king's announced he's having to run away and get into his bmw to drive off and i'm like one there's an issue there that he's jumping into a bmw let alone that but secondly there's a thing to be said about how we just we don't accept our own systems and it's always interesting when i hear black individuals even white individuals who fight and complain about the system and then when you really ask them how much do you understand how much do you know and what is your contribution you start to figure out that they really don't know anything and they really don't know what they're having conversations about because even the conversations that we have with like many white and black students about okay where do you want to go i want to leave the country okay (laughs) why Nah, I just do. You know, this country just like not doing well at all. And then they go to Canada or UK, whatever. Come back <laughs> within a year. You ask them why. They're like, ah, oh, <laughs> just didn't really enjoy it. This South Africa is like, oh no, your standard of living dropped by a hell of a lot, didn't it? Yeah. You know. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, going back to your point about the Zulu nation. You know, I think I must say, one thing that we like to do a lot is that. You know, I get that a BMW is a German car, but I think just because of the nature of the world now with globalization and and how colonization changed everything, I think it's unfair to say that, you know, where we were when we were colonized is where our progression ends. True. Because a lot of people will be like, okay, that's a car. We didn't use cars back in the day, whatever. It's like the Mm. Europeans also didn't use cars back in the day, you know, um, so I think there's this thing that at the point of colonization where Africans were is where they'll remain forever and everything that's African tradition is, is stuck in that place and it can't evolve. Um, it's almost like the Helen Zilla thing, you know, when she was like, uh, but without colonization, we wouldn't have roads, airports, all these things. And I'm like, do you think we just would have stopped doing everything, yeah, everything. at a point? You know, that was never going to happen. You know, societies progress in different speeds yes but they progress um but yeah you know it's it's interesting thinking that and i guess that's that's what i i find you know difficult with the internet as i said earlier is that it opens avenues to different things and even possibly to discover old ways of doing things which may have been better or more beneficial but not in the same way that you would have originally discovered those things and so Mm. you almost develop it in a way that's not true to how it would have been and your understanding is different to how that would have been like again you know african tradition and culture one has been modeled with two not a lot of it is known in its originality and three it's like if i'm learning it you know for me as an indebele it will be different for you as a zulu yeah and if we're learning it from someone who um it's maybe sutu that may be sutu mm. um spiritual tradition but it's not in the spiritual tradition and it's like what's in the spiritual tradition but it's yeah. also like i'm not sutu so how do i engage with like i can engage with that from the point that i'm an african 
yeah but it's not as simple as that and it involves language and it, so you know that's the one limiting factor with technology is that it's not a grassroots let me interact mm. with it from the source it's more of let me interact with it from a fountain that i had to walk <laughs> to in a different area and then the water tastes a bit different yeah. but it's still it's still water but you know, it's a bit different now it's a bit different you. new bacteria mm. you know got new stuff going on so i mean going back to black identity and stuff i think that's the same thing is that you know it's it's not a grassroots thing anymore like the type of black True. person that i am versus the type of black person my father is in some respects it may have been shaped by him but that's not all it's limited to now and the type mm. of black person my child will be if i have one is a different person to how i will be and it will probably not be shaped by my experience of blackness alone that's true you know and and i think that's what we were trying to get to in the other episode and that's also what we failed to sort of see is that that's i think the nuance of black identity in the 21st century is that it's not a you know grassroots bottom up transition mm. you go from this to that you know um you gain it from your environment your father or the other black people in your environment and in that set it's like yeah. you can get it from the music you listen to i mean when kendrick speaks about gang stuff and everything that's a huge part of black culture where he's from but for me that's like yeah i don't see it i don't it's not my it's not it's not my lived experience and it's not anything that it's like i can see around me and yeah. i think that's and i think that's what that's what makes a lot of these conversations hard because even something that like i want to learn and i want i don't want to do it like you can't do it in south africa because of it you know it's a very tense space in south africa but just african culture differs from country to country and you don't engage with that until you're in like the most european country where all the africans have to engage or, or africans are grouped together because there's an sense of okay we're communal we have we have a community and then you see there's there's big differences in terms of how we lived how we were raised and everything and i think to the same extent you find a lot of similarities like one things i've learned african homes love beatings you mm. all have the my mom was very strict she used to push me my dad was the one very quiet very dormant and I was like for so many people those stories continue to exist but change in shape and form in a way that's either seen as beneficial or seen as very anti and I think it's also part of like the whole progress and change that exists within africanism is that like you said it's not grassroots anymore it's not we all live in a and I also think this is what speaks to a lot of the tradition that used to exist then it's not we have access to cows we live in a village we all live in huts we have roles these are the farmers these are the hunters these are the people who cook these are the people who gather that's what it used to be and from that means that certain roles and certain aspects were built people found their role in that society and that's what moved them forward then we get this whole innovation essentially industrialization and to an extent those roles exist and exist in a very nuanced in a very nuanced way so yes the hunter is now the father but instead of him hunting he's getting a job um the mom's most likely going to be the caregiver or she's going to work a domestic job because that's where her role is defined and it's like you see those societies still exist 
but they don't exist in the same shape or in the same form because then like one thing i always say is especially within black communities grandparents still have such a massive hold on grandchildren and that's simply because of we understand that through industrialization the caregiving role is no longer the mother it's been passed on to grandparents because they have more time they have this thing but there's still this understanding that it's still communal based we grow together that we're in this together and those things still exist but yo they just yeah they look different now and they, yeah. they get washed also yeah yo, and i think it's made more difficult for us by the fact that you know we're in a postmodern society as well mm. so what's left is not left anymore yeah. and what's right is not right anymore and you know um what you're seeing increase something that for me it was you know i used to think it was maybe just a a, a thing in my home but it's like a prevalent thing um is the fact that whether single uh divorced married together whatever in a lot of black homes um and it may have been the case previously but obviously i can't really know but in a lot of black homes the mother is the one who's the most dominant in the sense mm. that she's like the figurehead of the household definitely a lot of especially now and it's increasing the mother's the one earning the bigger salary with the better yeah. job and stuff so it's like that is a huge shift you know um and i guess in some senses you could say that's how it was because if the father was gone because you know in a lot of black homes is abandonment yeah and the mother now is is left to take care the mother becomes a dominant figure by default right? true but now for me i'm seeing a situation where even with the father being present the mother's still dominant you know yeah and you know then you ask yourself what what is that going to look like in terms of change in terms of growing mm. up in terms of the role of the woman in society you know um and even now you're seeing more women getting enrolled into university yeah less men getting enrolled in university more men committing suicide like you know you're seeing now like a, almost a tipping a of the scale and you know i asked myself what are the psychological effects of that going to be and what are the societal effects of that going to be and that's what makes everything hard to determine it's because it's not as simple as this is how you're going to have a nuclear family and this is how life is going to progress if you're an african this is how it's going to be you know it's like everyone is everything is so different things are so in some senses misconstrued but in yeah. other senses they're just evolving and we're almost in like you know what we got to yesterday again we're in a limbo you know we're not yeah. here we're not there we're not at the place that it seems like we're transitioning into Facts. but we're not at the place where we're transitioning out of we're still mm. figuring that out and that doesn't happen in one generation that happens over, over generations yeah and we're almost the transition generation excuse the pun but um <laughs> <laughs> you know um it it leaves us in an odd place to figure out then what is identity for us not just black identity but but identity as a whole exactly because now it's like my black identity is not tied to as a black male despite the fact it's not like my father's not there and my mom's there it's like yeah. my father's there but my mom is sort of the alpha in a way yeah both monetarily and psychologically you could say and so it's like what does that do it's not to mm. say that's a bad thing 
it's not to say that's a good thing but it's a thing that happens like we said yesterday but it's like you know what does that do in shaping me as a black male in a similar way you know as i go out into the world more women are becoming more prevalent in a lot of things that men used to do yeah. maybe not in the more hard labor jobs at all that's not really changing but the position of men in more soft skilled jobs that require the mind rather than the body yeah you know there's a there's a deliberate um attempt to shift that what does that do you know and what does that what will that do to black identity because it's already malleable as it is and now the entire societal makeup is being changed and you know that means something different for us and as you know we grow up how do we navigate it now because it's no yeah. more a thing of the black male you know i was having a conversation with my other friends and the black male is no more in a state of yes you're almost fetishized for you know typically seen as being strong mm. physically um you know speaking in a certain way having a certain demeanor about you listening to certain kinds of music but the black male is changing in the sense that that's not all that it's becoming and that's not all it is anymore but in the yeah. same way it's like when it goes out of that it finds itself in a space that it's not one it's not made to fit people's perceptions yeah but also it's not fitting its own perceptions and now it's like mm. you know what am i doing who am i um and maybe that's a potential reason why you're seeing you know more women being dominant in relationships than or at least in the ones i've seen than than the men because the black male is almost it's it's psychologically confused it doesn't know where it is and there's lack of male the the lack of male presence in uh previous generations makes that even worse you know it's like yeah. i don't know what a model of being a black male is i have to model that when i don't know i can't take from the white model of a male in some senses i can but it's a different makeup of society different True. value system i can't take from this i can't take from that i have my i don't have my own model and on top of that i'm still trying to find myself yeah but the woman you know my mom always tells me that a father can can leave because well he's not carrying the baby a woman can't say i'm leaving the baby it's only <laughs> you know um so a woman is like i'm i'm there by fire or by force yeah. you know so the role is always established you know and it's easier for them to decipher but the black male especially in south africa it's like if we were to ask a lot of them even our own fathers what is a black father to you what does that mean what does that look like what does that mean you have to do as a black male father there'll be like there'll probably be various different answers yeah for me i found that a lot of them because there wasn't a father figure in their lives that just means i'm there it doesn't mm. mean i'm there emotionally doesn't mean i'm there for you to support you in other ways I'm but just present i'm just there and for them it's like that's the thing they didn't have so that's the, the only thing, thing they, they know. know what to fulfill yeah but the yeah. rest is like you know i don't know you know um but a woman knows it's like i'm the emotional support i'm the caregiver yeah. and it used it was a caregiver in a more primal sense but now it's becoming a caregiver in a financial sense, sense as well yeah. you know so i feel like the black woman at least in the family setup knows more of what it needs to do, do. and mm. knows more of what its role traditionally was and can be but the black male is like 
I don't know. And I think that's why it was so hard for us yesterday to figure it out. Like, because for us as black males, it's yeah. also like, where do we look for it? Because our fathers are still figuring it out. We don't know what it is. Yeah. We're still figuring it out. Um, and there's no model, like anywhere. There's no model. Even mm. if a person was to create a model. We wouldn't, we wouldn't accept it. Yeah, you know, and it wouldn't be the stock standard model across the board. And because, Perhaps. again, black identity is not homogenous, it's now like you get these little different... Um, Prototypes. Yeah, you know, and almost leaflets of black identity springing up everywhere. Yeah. Um, which makes it difficult, you know, and I think that's, that's the nuance. Um, that we're trying to get to whereas African identity while we may say that African tradition is not known in its originality doesn't mm. have its grassroots element anymore Christianity still plays a big role it's conservative in a lot of senses you know even if we might find it flawed it knows what it is yeah and so I think that's why a lot of people are able to go towards that you you very you're more likely to find a black Christian person. This is male or female. You know, you're more likely to find a black person. They may not be heavily Christian, but they're Christian. They, you know, they'll speak their language. Mm -hmm. um, of course, that's decreasing, but they'll speak their language to some degree or understand it. Um, you'll have a situation where it's like, you know, they're somewhat more conservative because a lot of uh, black people are not as liberal, liberal as yeah. you may think they all are, especially across South Africa. So you're more likely to find that person because I feel there's comfort in that. It's like, mm. I can be that because that's what's known. There's a model. It might be flawed, but a lot of people use it and it works. But venturing outside of that, there's no model. It doesn't know what it's trying to be. It's trying to figure itself out. Yes, it's more radical, but you could even call that radicalism and that fighting for something different about being black in certain spaces to change. Yeah is almost it projecting the fact that the system doesn't understand it in the same way that it doesn't understand itself. Yeah. Which makes it really difficult. I think there was a lot that you said there. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, firstly, I don't know, and I've spoken about this a couple of times, is the only issue that exists with the African model is that the African model african models next step is the failure of the previous individual and that means if i didn't get a matric as a parent my child must get a matric when your child gets a matric it's my child must get a degree when your child gets a degree it's my child must get a house when your child gets a house it's a four bedroom and it keeps going but it never ends and it never knows where it, it essentially never has its end because you essentially never reach the end and there's always a thing of you're always having to look back you're always having to go, okay, so he didn't get a degree, so I need to give him money to ensure that he can still live and so on and so forth, which is essentially the idea behind black tax that many people yeah. have unpacked and have gone through. And I think you're right. There is a sense of comfortability in knowing your identity and not having to like ever, ever like for a moment be like, okay, well, I don't know where I am. Let me fix this. Let me figure it out. Because it's kind of like, okay, I know where I am because the next step is from school university from university get a job from university create a family and essentially be the primary caregiver and i think to that same extent it's also why like women i feel like women are becoming more independent because of the constant failure within male society it's been like yeah. every single time it's 
you're not sure if the guy's gonna stay you're not sure if he's gonna go sometimes they have financial they take financial risks which aren't so smart there's always an issue here and like alcoholism within the black community always ceases to exist um and creates an issue which is why women are becoming more of the independent i need to make sure that regardless of whether or not you're here in five years i'm okay i can i can survive i can do all of those things um and the second thing which was an interesting thing was kind of the idea behind like being a black male and i think that you know, that goes into a conversation and i i mean i always say parts of my late grandfather because he practically raised my dad and one of the things i remember my stepmom saying very very clearly to me was when he passed that's all she said to him you must understand that your father's lost a brother a sister a mother a father an uncle and aunt all in one person and i said that's deep because i was like that means he was a father having to play the emotional role having to play the present role having to do all of those things and then to the same extent i go i look at my father he's essentially been the exact same thing for me he's been a mentor and everything and i don't think he has he's done it to the same extent but that's also because the nature of our relationship and the situation is very different but then what exists in that is the understanding that when people ask me what's your vision of fatherhood what do you aspire to do i always say to them is like I, I guess I'm like presence isn't enough for me because I'm like there's nothing that there's nothing in me that believes presence is what a father is I was like you can be present and you can be present in different ways financially you can be present physically and I was like that's not what makes a child recognize a parent I was like I want to be able to be that space for a kid where he knows regardless of what he's going through whether he's in he's in cock he's not He's always like, okay, I'll go, that's my guy. I can call him. I can go to him. And I think people mistake that for, ah, your child's going to swear at you. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I think there's, you can still have boundaries in everything that exists. While still saying to an individual, like, we see you, we recognize you. And I think that's a lot of why black fathers have struggled is there's so much pressure to be a good black father. And this pressure to be a male in society but more so i feel like black males have the most amount of pressure because there's so much of you need to get us out of here yeah. is that you don't know what your identity is beyond getting people out of there and you never feel fulfilled because unless you get your people out which essentially you never can and you never will and that's something you have to accept you're always going to feel like you're missing an aspect of yourself and i think that's why for women it's so much easier well let me not say easier because somebody's gonna blast me here <laughs> but for women it's it's more predictable it's predictable but more so there's no, there's no pressure it's like oh you want to go to school okay go you want to you want to go secure the bag okay go it's not like we need you to secure the bag because you're the one who's going to take us out of here it's more like you can do what you need to do to make you okay to make you present to make you feel secure and a lot of that then becomes like people saying no but you see women have to do this because it's the black man and the black man did this 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 and i'm on some yeah 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 understand the pressure that exists on a black individual is what leads to them leaving many of the time because if i always find it interesting when you look at like fathers who are absent who have reinvested themselves into the family and you ask them why did they leave 
the first conversation was was just too much pressure and that speaks to a lot about what the expectation then becomes on a black individual and how those expectations essentially have limited us because i think there's a sense of an africanism that even though you know there's going to be pressure you know exactly how that pressure must look like and how it must feel with the ideas of being black and essentially finding yourself and finding your identity and defining that for someone is so much of the fact that you'll never be able to understand what that pressure looks like or exists at that time until after you'll you'll see it in six months and you'll look back and you'll yeah. be like yeah that thing there <laughs> I love I love that thing and it's like that speaks to the difference between Africanism and I think the ideas of being black is that the reason why black is such a communal feeling is because we recognize that there's a struggle that exists for all of us regardless of where we are financially where we are physically what our circumstances but there's an understanding that we need to essentially do better and i think that's the difference between africanism and blackness in its entirety and why it's in limbo now because people don't really know what doing better is mm. for africans it's doing better 10 years ago 20 years ago was getting a degree but the more and more the system continues to fail them they're like what can we do for africans who are who have gotten out it's like okay we've gotten out but now what how do we essentially grow from that how do we essentially compete with everyone else and it's that idea that everyone's stuck trying to answer the same question how do i do better how do i give back to my community and it's that community mindset that continues to be on some you need to do better for us so we can eat from your pot and it's on some okay wait why is there so much pressure on me to help the community when all of you are capable individuals and it's those ideas that i think exist in blackness that don't exist in africanism or are starting to become more prevalent but as they become more prevalent means that more and more people are i don't want to say falling away from it because i still think there's a massive majority of individuals in south africa who are too still believe in the african mindset and believe in do well so we can do well and you doing well is a celebration for us but there's a lot that's to be said about how the pressure that exists on all african individuals is the idea that you essentially one day have to make it out and you have to take everyone out with you and that's what kills that's what's been killing and i think it even goes to the fact of why so many people have fallen away from their culture and their tradition because rather more, not have it yeah and not have the pressure and be free of the pressure then fail to live up to that pressure exactly that because the moment you fail and the moment somebody else does it better or the moment that you can't live with the fact that you failed you pass it on to the next generation that's exactly it and i mean we do that with look at every figure that almost becomes a symbol of black resistance we almost project all of that to them it's almost like mm. this person needs to give if they're like a sports star or whatever they need to give back financially yeah they need to be an inspiration for all the black kids yeah um if they're in a relationship they need to exemplify the perfect black relationship you know um they need to speak out on issues that all black people face and i think it's that same thing it's that wanting to do better but 
like you're saying the almost the african mindset is pour that onto an individual they must mm. exemplify all that that is you know that's why the black celebrity as well it's almost like they must become the figurehead yeah of what we need to strive to become yeah and they need to be perfect in all these senses because you know that's what you should be like mm. that's how you should be successful in a relationship in your career in your this in your that you know and what i've also seen is again because men are more willing to say and uh, more able to say you know we we're not going to live up to that pressure mm. we don't want it what has happened then, and i think you provided almost the answer to that is women have taken that pressure yeah women have become okay now we need to provide for the whole family okay now we need to earn that degree become the breadwinner and all of this mm. okay we need to do this we need to do that you know because we already have to take the place of a man when he doesn't step up yeah and so you know that's what we need to do now and in some ways you could almost say the crisis of women and men in south africa is, is especially between black people is almost like that because mm. women are succeeding at it yeah. when you think about it women are as much as you know there is still their setbacks for them like i said earlier women are getting degrees at a higher rate they're getting educated at higher rates they're getting if you look at the top performers the top 100 performers in high schools right at the end of matric a lot of them are women you'll find some excellent men the ma- yeah. the man might even be the top look at last year you know the the guy who was the best was sazi he was a man obviously yeah. but if you look at the rest a disproportionate number of it it's not 50 men 50 women it will probably be maybe 30 something men 20 something yeah. men if it's like that type of year and the rest women you know um and so women are are succeeding in a lot of the areas where men previously struggled with and had pressure yeah and again that almost creates a, an unconscious anger because mm. the pressure that you succumb to is something that this person is able to deal with they may Thanks. struggle with it but they still deal with it and perform and now it's almost like you take out your frustrations of not living up to that of not being the perfect black father not being the role model of not being the support system to your kid of not being the provider you almost take revenge for that on a woman yeah. because it's like she's doing everything that I couldn't do mm. you know she's and and that's what I think I was trying to say the last one is that the black mother is like I'm angry at my father really but when my mother fails in some aspects or when she lets me down in some aspects when she's not as supportive as can be that's coupled with the fact that my father wasn't as, as supportive as he could mm. have been but who's the only person I can take it out on my mom you know if my mother couldn't get me the life you know uh, materially that I wanted where was my father to front up he wasn't there but who was the only person who I could physically see not be able to do that it was my mom so I become angry at her yeah you know and as you grow up you know i think another thing that plagues the black man more than anything else is that there's also the pressure of don't be like your father yo you yo, know because it's like your father was this you and i see it in my life i see it with so many other gents you know and i think fathers have even adopted that internally to say like don't be like me mm. you know because i couldn't do this i couldn't do that i, I struggled with this i struggled with that 
Um, but what I find funny is that a lot of us look like our fathers. You, you know, you, so you, you physically you can you can <laughs> see the link, but it's also like you know. For me, I have the belief that we inherit more than just physical traits from our parents. Yeah, we don't just inherit oh his nose or his whatever. You know, yeah. you inherit oh this guy had an addiction problem. Same you may thing. not inherit the addiction itself, but you'll inherit addictiveness. Yeah, you know, so you inherit traits like that from both your parents. So fundamentally, that's why I feel like it's a cyclical thing, because those things get passed down, mm. and maybe now we're at the point where the accumulation of all of that struggle in the black community is coming to a head with us and yeah. being in the world of technology and everything we're more aware of things around us so we're more aware of these issues mm. right but at the same time we're more aware of the ways in which we can't live up and as women now i think it's gotten to the point where this is what i almost think of like you know men are trash and a lot of the modern tenets of feminism is it's almost like let's do this life thing without men because we don't need them yeah and i don't think that's a hate for men as much as it's a hate of or it's a lack of wanting them to just disappear lack of wanting mm. them to just give up and in the pressures on you the whole time you know i think that's for me what it means it's not a it's not a like because genuinely we can't live without each other and they acknowledge that you yeah. know you acknowledge that in various ways but i think it's just a thing of like you guys have messed up in so many ways we've had to pick up the mantle in some of those ways that maybe it's just we're better off without you because it's tough on us you know but with that there's not the recognition that it's yeah. tough on you too and we're struggling with it you know i don't think most black fathers want to be in a situation they're in where it's like i didn't do enough i wasn't enough i wasn't the person that i needed to be for my kids you know and you know then that leaves us at a situation with black identity and particularly in the south african context where it's almost like you know where to from here yeah and i think there's an interesting chat there to be had because like i know we've been speaking about like christianity and everything and i mean if you look into churches just look at who that community exists it's a woman the majority of exactly. the time it's women and i think i also think that's what that's what's weird about the moments and spaces that we're in is that you actually learn that women used to carry the mantle of culture tradition um like they were the ones who used to tell the stories it was their thing um music was their thing it was it was the way things were passed down and your father i mean as much as it's gonna sound like shit is your father used to sit around and drink beer bro that's exactly. that's that's literally all you had to do and i think those same ideas are existing and what's making them worse is a lot of men in society are struggling to accept that that's what their role in society has been being useless being meaningless and go get a little bit of money now it's not even a an economic thing anymore it's, it's like, not no it, now what you do yeah it's like what do you do you sit around and you and you be yourself and i think it's that strong sense in community that exists within women that men have failed to yeah they failed to create they failed to actualize and it's it also speaks to how a lot of like this might be a hit on politics but 
it speaks to a fact of like the reason a lot of our politics doesn't work is because we view it from a very male mind frame like if you think about it public protectors have always been women those people put in shifts that's that's actually crazy that you say that now and it's that idea that a lot of the spaces that we exist in don't function because of the limitations that men present simply by being men the ego is too big it's the fact that we're all trying to prove ourselves it's it's the aspiration to be the first black individual mm. and that was a huge chat i had with someone and joe yo yo I, when i say i almost didn't study for a biology exam because i was beefing with someone <laughs> is we had a one of the biggest limitations that i think exists and we have spoken about before is the first black mindset because it's like let me be the first black and then after that no one cares no black individual aspires to continue to do that because i think also in a sense of men having to find themselves and men having to find a sense of culture and tradition they also have to assert themselves in society and the only way you do that is by being the first being the best being or being the most physically dominating yeah taking it out on the person who isn't and that 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 has killed communities but i think also speaks to how much how much recognition we don't give to women and how black communities i always feel like black communities are viewed through the man's eyes but are upkept held together by women exactly and most people don't see that most people overlook that and many of the time don't recognize it like i think I think I'm a very unique situation that my grandfather was my guy and he was being my guy but I think most people have that relationship but when you actually look at okay who's holding the family down it's the and woman like, it's the woman she's holding the t- she's holding the family together when there's issues the grandmother's there and she's there to unpack and I think it exists in that way because women regardless of where they are have to fend for themselves mentally physically emotionally and it's like the one thing that they have is other women men on the other hand which i think exists beyond black communities don't have a community as and as much as they're fending for themselves they have to, they feel like they're fending for everyone else and that pressure then means that they're stuck there almost having these conversations with themselves and having to prove to themselves that they are that thing they are mm. that person and it's always interesting to see when energy when a family flips from like a, like the, that whole transition thing was when a family flips from being very traditional to more liberal and you see it through the generation it's like the grandfather and the grandson believe in totally completely different things but they see eye to eye they recognize each other there's a conversation there but then when you see the father and his father you see that there's a lot more tension and i think it's also about that thing of we never accept things when they're so close to us when changes yeah. like it almost because i also feel like there's that thing in black communities where i feel like if i haven't passed on everything that i know to my child i failed and then when you see the grandson thrive in a different space in a different way as much as you go that's not necessarily what i envisioned you can accept it because you're like that's something that essentially i was part of producing but it didn't have my direct impact. Yeah. And I think that's why there's so many things that just exist within black communities, African communities, marginalized communities is there's a constant need for people to impose their power 
and impose their beliefs and their thinking and their will into a specific space just to prove that they they have done it they have been the one and i think it also used to be in the way that black families used to compare their kids still compare their kids especially in private schools man everyone pulls up and it's like who's your kid oh this is my kid oh your kids yeah and there's that thing of black people don't know how not to compete africans don't know how not to compete because it's always about how am i better than you instead of us recognizing that we can both be good and we can both believe in the exact same thing and that's what's broken a lot of belief and ideology where i think that's why blackness in and of itself a lot of the time people don't like it because it says for the first time okay sharp we've all got issues what's the issue here that we need to solve first so we can progress and you see that all the time um in steve biko's black consciousness it was okay guys fix your mind first let's just say yo we need to change the way we think in the way in which we look at the system before we fight the system then we get mandela mandela on some i know guys ah, let's just be together together guys. Yeah, as long as the laws don't mess us mess us up we're good yeah and it, it's that limited thinking the lack of community which is normally like i said held by the male who have been the martyrs of society that has failed us exactly and i think you know that first black mindset is also the fact that if i was the first black to do it it means i'm not as bad as the other one because mm. no matter what that other one does he wasn't the first to do it and it's like it's it's like you said it's the only way to sort of you know assert any form of you know this is who i am and yeah you know that's like you're saying that kills the the black community i mean there's this one south african mystic uh zulu mystic credo muto and you know i remember watching one of his interviews and they asked him they're like yo what would you tell you know what's your message to people essentially and he was on this thing of like open the mother mind and so when you know he was explaining what the mother mind is he's like the the male mind the mind of the man is too linear it's mm. too we're going to go straight then there then there you know it's 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 too linear in its thinking but the mother mind is like holistic yeah. it thinks of everything it's aware of everything obviously i'm oversimplifying the how he said it because he could only say it as good as he did but you know and that's what you don't see and look at corruption i mean of course you still get some women in the government who are corrupt as yeah. well but you know if you look at a more feminine approach to dealing with things women are more holistic in their thinking when they go into a job you know and this is like sort of when i've read jordan peterson and, and looked on his stuff this is what he was sort of saying is that for men it's like a man is willing to devote himself to one thing and one thing only and be exponentially good at that thing and nothing else yeah they're willing to do that and that's what produces these hyper successful guys in whatever mm. right but a woman as soon as they get like 30s 40s it's like but this thing is not all there is it's like if i'm a lawyer yeah law is not life you know yeah there's there's law there's family there's there's this there's that you know the approach shifts to let me have a balanced life rather mm. than let me be exponentially good at one singular thing and let that be my life 
Facts. Um, and that's how I think they're able to tie it down because a man would be like, I need to do this for me. Mm. And a woman would be like, yes, there's me, but there's the kids, there's my mother, there's this person, there's that person. You know, they consider all the possibilities and they work to make sure all those possibilities are fulfilled in a sense. So in that way, that's something to admire, you know. But in the same way, the fact that it's only women with that mindset and the fact that that mindset is what makes women only dominant in a lot of families and holds it together means that the male in some sense and the male's position in society suffers yeah. because there's, there's nothing for it. Because if a woman keeps all things considered, it's like you who keeps yourself considered only what role do you have to play. <laughs> and so in that sense... It's, it's almost, um, it's a double-edged sword because then it becomes, mm. yes, I don't like the pressure of having to provide and be that person that's greater and uplifts the community. But at the same time, being that person gives me a role to play. Yeah. And if I don't have a role to play, then I'm lost. But if I have a role to play, then that means I have to take on all this responsibility and duty which is difficult especially because of the fact that i haven't seen anyone like me do it in the same way but for women it's like they just do that inherently and so they have yeah. a definitive role and the man is like either do it or don't do it you know and most of them don't do it or when they try to do it they abdicate certain parts of it and it doesn't work out for themselves you know so it's an interesting spot if i'm being honest and i think you know, again, it always brings the question, where to from here? Because does that mean the man is, has to accept that that's how things are? Which women are more open to doing that? This is what it is and I don't yeah. want it to change. Whereas men are like, no, I don't want, you know, look at us in class. It's like, I don't want. I don't want. want. I'm um, too absolutist. I can't. Yeah, like, ah, oh, man, I don't want to do that. You yeah. know, whereas a, a girl would be like, well, I have no choice. So let me just do it. Yeah. Know? And let me do it well. Um, so it's either we accept that reality to have our role again you know and, and that means taking on the responsibility and pressure in some capacity or the role of a male needs to change and to what I wouldn't know and what that would mean I also would not know but maybe that's better trying to figure that out than simply having a situation as we do now where the men the man is just well i'm not gonna do either i'm just gonna sit yeah 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 i don't know i also don't think that choice is gonna be made like communally and like all men are gonna find their their like alignment with it because even if i just look at i don't i'm not even like if i look at just like the people i hang around and like the want and need to have a family doesn't exist to the same extent it used to if i look two generations ago i think we're becoming more content with the idea of i can be content with myself yeah and i think that's also a result of the nature of things and community and just society as, as a whole changing because if i think about community two three years ago not even i mean two two three generations ago and the idea of the village raised you 
And then I look at myself. I'd say, yeah, sure, there were some aspects of that for certain parts of my life where I was like, okay, yeah, I have But a- I had to teach myself a lot of the things that I, I yeah. know now. And yeah. I had to go on that journey alone. Yeah. So there's there's a greater sense of isolation. There's a greater sense of picking yourself. And I think that's also what exists and will continue to exist, which is why we're in limbo, is black identity, African identity. The real question we're trying to answer is what do we pick? Do we pick ourselves? Do we pick our community? Do we pick a partner? And in all of those, there's flaws that exist. And those flaws are immense. I won't lie. Some of those flaws are go, yo, okay, that's a big <laughs> one. Some of them you can look over. But it's really just becoming about how do we prioritize ourselves and say to ourselves, what's the best option for me and for my unit and for my family and for the people around me? Because look, I also think it's never going to be the same. It's never been the same. And for different people, it's a different. It's, it's existed in different things. Um, because I also just I always just go like yo you speak about people like Steve Biko Nelson Mandela and like this thing wasn't 30 years ago and I'm like bro 30 years is not that far and then I go but look at all the problems that they exist with who they chose what they chose and I'm like maybe the way isn't choosing anything and it's just living it's just being and I think that's also what I feel like that's what black identity sometimes fears being content with doing nothing and it's one of those things where I always see I feel like it's always taken as a woke mindset because black people can't be content with where they are and sure in some instances yes you can't be content with where you yeah. are there's like until everyone I also don't I can't say equal footing but every, until everyone's on an equitable footing and we can all say we're comfortable with where we are which also goes into a lot of chats about greed and capitalism and just wealth and money hoarding and the things that we do in our nature that i and i think people tend to choose survival first before anything else we just need to be comfortable with we are here now and we don't care what happens in the future we don't care what's happened in the past we're just content to be but that can only happen at the point where we feel that we could be content and i think that's where we are right now we're not content with where we are. We're not not happy about where we've gone to. But we're on some, okay, what's the next fight and how does it exist when there's such a big gap between how black people exist from 30 years, 40 years ago when there was a very, very minute, wealthy black class and the majority were impoverished. Because now it it spans and it extends an array over everything, and now it means that the fight for someone in their specific space, in their specific avenue, isn't the fight for the next guy who's in a different space, this different avenue. And it's now made us all question our identity, and I think we're at different points of evolution within that identity because of our issues, because of what's being presented to us. But <clears throat> it's another crazy one. Let's not dive down that rabbit hole. That's another two hours. (laughs) (laughs) But nah, I think this has been a good session. And like we always say, this conversation doesn't end, bro. It never it never begins. I think that's the that's the best way of looking at it. Because what happens today, what happens tomorrow, what 
what you see in society changes the mind space man and the scope in which we engage with certain things and it's the nature of who we are as people and i think like i said last time we shouldn't be set on our ways of thinking or who we are and we shouldn't we shouldn't be entrapped by our tradition and our culture sometimes letting go is hard but letting go progresses you further and there's things we used to do in all societies regardless of whether you're white black those things don't exist anymore and you feel so unfazed because you don't even know about them and sometimes letting go is hard but it's part of life man yeah and maybe you know the next step for 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 black men is just to himself before Jeez. it's to his community and that might mm. be a radical idea that might not be for some people but it's an idea nonetheless and you know like you said this conversation can't be defined as having a start or an end because yeah. you know then that means we're somewhere and we're never somewhere it seems yeah. um but i think we got to the bottom of some things today that just mm. you know we understood phenomena from a different point of view and taking as much nuance into account yeah um of course like we said you can't you can't take into account everything but you know um yeah i think the next stage is you know obviously people will have their own ideas and own experiences and that may differ but that's part of it mm. you know i think about it as as consciousness um consciousness has no end it has no beginning it's yeah. not small it's not big it's infinite but mm. you know that means everything is part of it whether you define it as good you define it as bad or you don't define it at all it's consciousness you know so black identity seems to have the same um the same phenomenon with it is that that's that's how it is you yeah. know and so in all senses or in some senses we can say that everyone is black to a degree yeah you know um but we can also say that no matter what type of black person you describe yourself as you're black somewhere mm. you know and no one can take that away from you even other black people and the nature of identity is such that we always exist in a space that's different from other spaces but even within our own spaces you know we can be anything we want to be at the end of it and i think for me that's that's my last late and great message <laughs> of the show yeah i think i think it's that idea that you can transcend your own identity um be yourself be who you need to be and now i love the quote everyone is black i think i think that's where it goes that's where that's how we end the year so i think when this comes out it's it's close to new years because we're in december and yeah things happen so if it's christmas has passed merry christmas if it hasn't merry eve christmas merry <laughs> um the news is around the corner just go live life go enjoy and just be happy man yo don't get bogged down don't go self reflect and interrogate i know it's been a lot but yeah bless and thank you <laughs>